This is Chris Lazo, host of Conversional Speaking Podcast and author of A Guide to Speaking in the Digital World, a book you can get exclusively at www.chrislazo.com forward slash ebook. Today on Conversional, we're ending a two-week series on listener questions. Your questions, and they've been awesome questions. And even though we're ending for now, I would love to keep answering your questions from time to time. So if you keep sending me your questions, I'll keep peppering them in to future episodes. But today, we wrap up this series on frequently asked questions with question number 30. One listener asks, how do you incorporate comedy into your speaking? Yep, that's right. I'm going to teach you how to crack jokes on this episode of Conversional. How do creative entrepreneurs make lifelong raving fans when they communicate? That's the question. This show has the answers. My name is Chris Lazo. Welcome to the Conversional Podcast. So our final listener question is, how do you incorporate comedy into your public speaking? Now, it's really interesting that you ask this because I've been asking this question for the past year. See, there would be moments where in my normal public speaking engagements, I would make people laugh, but it was almost on accident, serendipitous, if I could put it that way. It happened when it happened, and I wasn't sure how it happened, but it was awesome when it did happen. But I wanted to make people laugh on purpose. I wanted to plan for comedy, plan for those humorous moments. I just didn't know how to do it. And in those moments where laughs did happen, I wasn't sure how it came about. And then my friend Jeff Kaler gave me this book. The book was called Do You Talk Funny? Seven Comedy Habits to Become a Better and Funnier Public Speaker by the author and comedian David Nyhill. It's a book on comedy by a stand-up comedian. But here's the twist. He doesn't write to comedians. He writes to business people. His entire argument is that comedy is one of the most powerful connecting elements of a speech. And since most business people lack what stand-up comedians have in spades... To add even one joke to your business presentation, to your Instagram, IGTV, to a Facebook Live, will put you leaps and bounds beyond your competitors or your peers. Turns out, comedy is one of the most powerful elements in a public speaker's toolbox. It also turns out, comedy, like public speaking, is not an innate characteristic or a function of your personality that you're born with. It's a skill, and skills can be learned and developed. So Nihil writes a book to business people and entrepreneurs teaching them how to be funny. Now, I'm going to break down the basic idea from David Nihil of how you can identify humor in a typical day and turn it into hilarious content that you might be able to use in a speaking engagement. And there's really two ideas that I want you to take away from this book. The first one is start with a relatable story. Start with a relatable story. Now, first I want to define what a story is, and then I'll share with you where we can find those stories. First, what's a story? I'm using the typical three-act scenario, famous in movies and novels, that follows kind of the hero, challenge, and resolution. 
kind of the main character in the story that we all feel for, who meets a challenge or a struggle on his way to find something and ultimately experiences a resolution, and then we all rest easy, right? Hero, challenge, resolution. Now, finding those in a movie or a novel might be easy, but where can we find stories in the ordinary and mundane of our everyday life? Well, here's the thing. You don't have to be sensational. You don't have to tell a Pixar or a Disney film level story. Really, anything that might have a relatable takeaway. In other words, it's just looking through your day or through your week for glimpses of events or vignettes or circumstances that might be relatable to other people. I'll give you some examples of what I call a story file. I have a story file where I accumulate these types of stories in case I want to make something of them later. For example, I have a story I've used several times about my opportunity to sing with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, Grammy Award-winning choir. I thought it was awesome. It ended up not being awesome for me. I messed up, but there was a happy ending. And so when I think back on that story, it was a fun story to tell my friends and stuff, but you can also see the relatable takeaway. Themes in that story that other people might be able to relate to. Now, they might not be able to relate to joining the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, but they might be able to relate to my dreams. I had a dream of doing that. Other people have dreams. It was a risky situation. Other people might also experience risk. Here's another example. I remember one time my daughter Abby swiped at my laptop with her finger like it was a smartphone. <laughs> she just swiped at it trying to change the screen. And I wasn't sure what to do with it, but I put it away in my story file. And there are themes there of parenthood, uh, generational themes, themes of technology. Again, these are broad, relatable themes that lots of people in a room you're speaking to will find connection to. Here's another example. I remember when I was leading the music for a church and we were doing a huge event for Easter. There were about 10,000 people in attendance. We are outdoors at a city college and I had put together, assembled, and was rehearsing for half a year with a band of about 90 people. So there was a brass section, strings, all the trimmings, there was a huge choir. So all of that together, there were about 90 people on stage. It was one of the biggest things in the music industry that I had done up until that point. And it rained that Easter Sunday. We ended up having to unplug everything and just do the whole thing with an acoustic guitar. So again, the specifics might not be relatable. Maybe not everyone else has done that specific thing, but the theme of an expectation that I had that was not met, it rained on a big day, or failure, those are themes people can relate to. So that's kind of how you start. You look at ordinary daily content in your life that may have a relatable angle to a broader audience, meaning this is a story with themes that other people will be able to relate to. Because when you start any joke, when you start a story, when you start any kind of primary point, you want your audience to see themselves in it. You don't just want to be talking about yourself, even if you are talking about yourself. The ultimate goal is to connect with your audience. And one of the ways we do that is by bringing up situations 
that most people in the room will probably resonate with. Now, that's the first one. Start with a relatable story. But now, where we started broad, something that's relatable to everyone, now we're going to get specific, where we focus on a personal story. So we, we began with something relatable to everyone. Now we're focusing on something even more personal. And this is where the magic happens. The magic happens with an unexpected twist in our personal story. In fact, David Nihill does one of the best jobs I've ever heard. Read as many comedy books as I could, books on humor, studied it. He has one of the most practical and simple examples and explanations of what humor really is. And he simply refers to it as that which is unexpected. Humor is basically an unexpected event that's laughable. And herein lies the power of a humorous story. When we start by telling relatable stories that are predictable, they're predictable because we relate to them. We understand them. We have the categories for them. Our expectations are already set. We know where this story is going. And then all of a sudden, that story takes an unexpected turn. That's the potential you have for humor. Humor is being able to spot the unexpected and bring playful attention to it in a timely manner. Say that one more time. Humor is being able to spot the unexpected in your life and bring playful attention to it in a timely manner. So if our first step from David Nihill's framework is to start with a relatable story, the second thing we got to do is find the unexpected in that story. Find the unexpected. We start with a story everyone can relate to, but we end with a specific example of something unexpected. And that, my friends, is where comedy happens. Or take, for example, this explanation by Gene Robertson, the award-winning humorist, who says, Humor is not about one-liners or being able to tell jokes. It's about accepting things about yourself that can't be changed and finding the humor in situations around you. Things happen on a daily basis that are really funny, but people often let the funny stuff get away, either because they don't notice it as funny or they don't make it a priority to look for it. See, that's what we're doing here. We're looking for the funny that already exists every day in all of our lives. So when I go back to those situations, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, uh, I thought it was awesome, it wasn't, and it ended happily. I've got to believe, according to this framework, there's humor in there somewhere. When Abby swiped at my laptop, that was unexpected. There's humor in there somewhere, waiting to happen, waiting to be capitalized on. When I launched a band of 90 for this huge shindig at an Easter church service and it rained on our party, there's humor in there somewhere. When my Filipino relatives buy beautiful, lush, expensive white carpet and they cover it all in bubbly plastic, there is humor in there somewhere. When Waze and Google Maps mispronounce all the Spanish street names in my city, there's humor waiting to be found there. 
when I recall as a child that sheepdog dragging me around the field by my ankles, as painful as it was in the moment, not to my body, but to my pride, years later, I can look back and say, gosh, there is humor in there somewhere. When I wanted a capture card for all of these Zoom calls at the beginning of 2020 because everyone was remote and they were all sold out and being sold by third parties for exorbitant prices and there happened to be one in my car six inches from me for two years and I didn't even know it, there's humor to be found there. Are you seeing how this works, my friends? Humor turns out to be very simple. We must first identify those stories in our lives that are widely relatable to our audience, but that end up taking an unexpected turn. By the way, most of our lives are filled with unexpected things, right? Especially the last two years, right? Exactly. That's why humor is always just right under our nose. Sometimes life is tragic, and sometimes life is funny, and sometimes those two are exactly the same. We just have to spot the humor in it all and have the courage and ability to bring it out. Now, for those of you that really love and are helped by concrete examples, Let me offer you some jokes that I'll break down according to our framework so that you can see yourself how this works. We'll start with David Nyhill himself. Little disclaimer, I am changing a couple words because this is a clean podcast. He starts off by introducing the story. One day my neighbor handed me a beer bong. It never before occurred to me to drink beer through a funnel. Call me old-fashioned, I said to my neighbor, looking at the outstretched funnel in his hands, but a pint glass works just fine. That's fine. If you're not up for it, you don't have to. My eyes narrowed as my competitive streak kicked in. Ireland doesn't win an awful lot of sports, but we are undefeated in the pursuit of Pyrrhic victories. Give me the funnel, he said. Twelve funneled beers later, I finally bowed out. Now, anyone familiar with drinking beer from a funnel knows exactly what I look like at this point and exactly where I was heading. It wasn't long before the shout, Hampton Police, open the door, came as a fist on the other side of our apartment door knocked loudly. I've seen the cultural masterpiece that is Cops, which even ran in Ireland, so I knew they needed a warrant to come in. With the funnel in one hand, I politely pulled back the curtain that covered the door and gave them a friendly wave. The door flew open abruptly. Turns out, Cops was not an accurate representation of police protocol. Where's the guy in the gray shirt? The officer shouted as he stepped forward menacingly. Oh, shoot, I thought. That guy is done for. Looking down, I realized I am the guy in the gray shirt. Oh, shoot. David goes on to say, and that's when the audience really laughs. See, Nihil started with a story that maybe a lot of his audience can relate to. But it ended with a specific example of something unexpected. The thing that everyone that he's talking to might be able to relate to is a party that he's at. The unexpected twist is that he's the guy with the shirt that the cops are after. Here's another example by John Acuff. John spoke about how fast the world was changing, a relatable situation for all of us, by saying, One night at dinner, my daughter said, Dad, today at school the internet was down. We had to do everything 
old-fashioned. And I said, old-fashioned? What does that mean? And she said, well, we were supposed to draw the state flag of Tennessee, but we couldn't Google it up, so we had to walk to the library and look it up in a book. And I said, with your legs? The whole way? (laughs) See, Acuff started with a story everyone can relate to. A conversation with his daughter, the generational differences, uh, how the world is changing so fast. But then towards the end is the twist that the old-fashioned thing that his daughter had to do was go to the library. And Acuff actually adds some taglines, extra punchlines, on top of that with those last couple sentences. With your legs? The whole way? So there's an example of a comedian masterfully twisting or playing with uh, the meaning of old-fashioned, giving it a a slightly different angle. Speaking of old-fashioned, Jon Stewart does the same. He says, I celebrated Thanksgiving in an old-fashioned way. I invited everybody in my neighborhood to my house. We had an enormous feast, and then I killed them all and took their land. Stewart, again, starts with a story everyone can relate to. When we hear that, I celebrated Thanksgiving in an old-fashioned way, I invited everyone in my neighborhood to my house, had an enormous feast. As a listener, your mind is intuitively saying, oh yeah, I know where this story is going. But then the comedian adds a twist. What's he doing? He's bringing out something unexpected. See that? Humor happens in the unexpected twist. That's the punchline. Here's another one. In 1982, while he was on a horseback ride with the queen on the grounds of Windsor Castle, the queen's horse is said to have had a bout of prolonged flatulence. The queen reportedly said, Oh dear, Mr. President, I'm so sorry. And Reagan supposedly replied, Quite all right, your majesty. I thought it was the horse. (laughs) Now, we might not be able to relate to those specific details. None of us went on a horseback ride with the queen of England or the president. But do you see the broader theme? These are friends hanging out together and an embarrassing moment. We've all been there, even if it was under a different set of circumstances and other details. But the twist, and therefore the humor, is in Reagan's reply. We expect the president to accept her apology for the horse, but he accepts it on her behalf, which is funny. There's some masterful examples by comedians and whimsical characters throughout our history. And now I'll end with me. I tried this after reading the book. I was like, okay, I've said funny things in my speaking career and from the stage, but now I know the mechanics behind it. I know how to find humor, I think. So I tried it. And I dug into my story file and picked up the one I introduced earlier about Abby and technology, where she's swiping the screen. She kept swiping the screen, and that was unexpected, so I thought that will be a great example. And I kept processing, why was it so unexpected? And from there, I realized it's because my daughter has not been trained to think of tech in the way I was. She's young. I'm older. I grew up with buttons. She didn't. She grew up with smart screens. And right there, it grabbed me. Okay, my daughter doesn't know what buttons are. This kind of makes me feel old. So I decided to poke fun at myself. And something that many people out there listening to me can resonate with. And that's where I got my beginning story. 
So I might start with that theme that we can all relate to. It could be technology, it could be kids, it could be the feeling of getting older. But I wanted to put Nihil's framework to the test and make my own joke on purpose. So I began this way. You know you're getting older when people do things differently than you. If you're older, you push buttons. If you're younger, you swipe screens. I got a good taste of this the other day when my daughter walked up to my laptop. She didn't like what she saw, so she began swiping at the screen, getting frustrated because it wasn't changing. I looked at her and said, Abby, you've got to push the button. She turned around with an inquisitive look on her face and said, push the what? And I said, you know, those ancient beveled shapes at the bottom of that contraption? Now, this is the age that she's grown up in. She's a digital child. If she wants options, she just swipes screens. Phone screens, iPad screens, laptop screens. Once she even swiped the television. When she's a teenager, she'll probably swipe at my face, saying, Dad's not changing! Make it go away! Now, I'm not going to break the cardinal rule of comedy by explaining my joke, and I'll let you be the judge of whether that was funny or not. But I think the moral is, you can learn to do humor. And you don't have to be a professional stand-up comic ripping off three punchlines per minute like some of the pros do. David Nihill's entire premise is, if you, as a business person, can say even one or two comical things in a large presentation, you will leap beyond everybody else in the room because nobody is doing that. So this is my challenge to you, is to begin spotting the humor in everyday activities, in your life, in relationships, and store them in your story file. Look for unexpected things, write them down, and eventually take that bold and brave step and actually use it. Test it on your spouse, on your friend, if you don't want to do this in a high-risk environment like a stage. And you don't even have to ask them if it was funny. You'll be able to tell because they'll have a glazed look on their face. They won't get it. And you'll know, okay, I need to fine-tune this. And if you can spot the humor in something and bring it into an actual presentation, even once, you will connect with people on a completely different level. So again, here's a recap. Start with a relatable story. Find the unexpected angle. Tease that unexpected angle out, saving it as a punchline for the very end. And for those of you that want to go deeper on this subject and actually learn more mechanics, I highly suggest picking up a copy of Do You Talk Funny by David Nihill. And if you like what you're hearing today from me, and don't want to miss out on great episodes in the future on speaking, on communication, sign up for my email broadcast at chrislazo.com. I'll send you my best podcasts, writings, and offers whenever I'm cooking up something real good. And immediately upon signing as my gift to you, I will send you a PDF on five secrets I've discovered that will cause you to speak better. Until next time. This is Conversional Speaking, and I'm your host, Chris Lazo, signing off. I'll see you in the morning.